This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another installment of the COVID Report, the SA Radio Award-winning show dedicated to providing you with comprehensive coverage of the coronavirus pandemic. I am your host, Ukamili Wagwapovana, and I'm not alone. I'm joined by a gentleman I've wanted to meet for a very, very long time because he has worked so diligently behind the scenes, especially over the course of the uh, more recent uh, times here on the COVID Report. It is my pleasure to be joined by Mr. Papi Mukoba here with me in studio. Papi, thank you so much for joining us. Good evening and welcome. Oh, good evening. It's, it's, it's a pleasure being here, you know. Absolute pleasure, it's sir. Pleasure. Now, today we'll be talking about the Sinovac vaccine trial, which is supposed to be conducted in a population sample of 2,000 children aged between 6 months and 17 years. When the COVID-19 pandemic started, we were informed which population group would be at the highest risk of acquiring the virus and which population group was at a lower risk of acquiring the virus. The high-risk individual were those who were living with comorbidities, those who were considered as the elderly, and children living with comorbidities. Further research has concluded that children are at low risk of getting the virus, and if even if they were to get it, they would experience mild symptoms and they would not contribute to the spread of the virus. Now, with the research concluding that children do not contribute to the spread of the virus, the question begs, why are Sinovac trials being conducted on children to begin with? Joining us to help us answer this question, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome the Medical Review Officer of the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, Ms. Marupeng Rapetswa. Good evening, Ms. Rapetswa. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the COVID report. Thank you for having me on the show and good evening to your listeners. It's an absolute pleasure to have you uh, on the show, Ms. Rapetswa. Let's start Thank from the you. very beginning. Um, the SAHPRA is responsible for monitoring, evaluating, investigating, inspecting and registering all health products in South Africa, which includes all any form of clinical trials that are conducted, complementary medicines and medical devices. Could you please talk us through the role that SAHPRA plays when it comes to these specific clinical trials, as far as the lengths that it goes to to conduct their own clinical trial based on the medication that has been supplied with by big pharmaceutical companies, or do they just use the data they obtain from these pharmaceutical companies before forging ahead with the advertised clinical trials? Okay, thank you for the question. SAPRA does not conduct clinical trials. So SAPRA is the regulator authority. It performs the legislative oversight on all clinical trials that are conducted within the borders of South Africa. So for instance, if you're a sponsor and you want to conduct a clinical trial that will involve South African participants, you have to apply to SAPRA. So this guarantees that all the clinical trials are based on scientific merit and they all conform to good clinical practices and the regulations of the Act that govern uh, the conduct of uh, medicine trials, which is called the Medicines and Related Substance Act. So this will ensure that uh, the safety, efficacy and quality of all the investigational products that are used in the clinical trials that are being explored are conducted in a good way that conforms to legal, legal uh, prescriptions. 
Yes, Ms. Rappel, so I'd like to ask a question then. Uh, based on what you've mentioned, you say that uh, SAPRA is, res- is not responsible for carrying out the clinical trials, but they, no. they play a role in the regulation uh, part, yes. right? So would yes. you say that the data or the report that is given by this scientist, could it be uh, biased? And another thing is that what would be the minimum requirements that are needed for a vaccine to be approved uh, for a clinical trial in South Africa? Okay, so all the data that we received at SAPRA, so any applicant that applies to SAPRA has got to finish SAPRA with data. It includes preclinical data, it includes clinical findings, they need to be peer-reviewed, they need to be published so everyone knows about the, the type of data that we're talking about. And the process to register a clinical trial is quite rigorous and elaborate. So I'm not going to go through each and every aspect, but I'll just uh, go through the most important aspect of conducting a trial. So in order for you to have your trial approved within the borders of South Africa, you need to, of course, have a clinical protocol. Anyone that conducts the research would know that a clinical trial protocol is sort of like a recipe of what you would uh, conduct, how you will conduct your clinical trial to answer the scientific questions that you're asking. So SAPRA will request you to finish it with a clinical trial application form. And there, there are many questions and supportive data that you need to, to accompany that application trial, application for, for your study. So we would need you to finish SAPRA with pre-clinical trial uh, studies, studies that you got from the laboratory before you, you investigate your your investigational product in humans. So your, your laboratory data should be included, all the animal data, all the toxicity data that you got, uh, any adverse reaction findings that you got in the preclinical data, all have to be included. We will also need you to finish SAPRA uh, with clinical findings. It depends on the, the state of the trial that you're applying for. So initially, you have to perform safety data before you can go to your phase three trials where you are testing for effectiveness. So all your pre-phase clinical data will involve the pharmacokinetic studies, your pharmacodynamic studies, and dose finding studies. How did you get to use this dose? What were the findings? Were there any adverse events after the initial study? And then you need to also tell us how this investigational product is quality controlled. How is the stability? You need to provide us with uh, certificates of analysis. You need to ensure that we know where the products will be manufactured. If the product of this, uh, the, the investigational product is manufactured under good manufacturing practices. In addition, you need to also tell us the objectives of your study. You need to know the endpoints. You need to, to justify your study design. Tell us if you are blinding our participants. You must tell us the inclusion and exclusion criteria. So all of those issues that are involved in conducting research should be elaborately outlined in your application to SAPRA. We also need to know that if your study has got insurance so that if anything happens, the participants that are in South Africa can make it clean. We need to know that you have informed them of their rights as patients We've explained the benefits of this treatment and they have signed to undergo this clinical trial. Other issues that are also important are details of remuneration. 
We also expect that all these participants that are participating in the clinical trial should be uh, reimbursed in some way for their time and the inconvenience of being in a trial. You know, sometimes they have to travel for long distances to be in this trial. You must cover their expenses of travel, and they need to get food as well. And um, other issues that are important for surprise that if the study is found to have effectiveness, will you grant post-trial access to these participants? Will they get um, the treatment going forward to help them in their disease state? And initially, all, all applications are screened internally, and then they are allocated to an external reviewer, and the industry reviewer also will review the, the application. And thereafter, the review is presented to a committee consisting of experienced academics and recommendations are made to the applicant to respond to. So depending on the recommendations and the responses, sometimes it might need to go to the committee again for them to deliberate again. And if all issues have been resolved, then the study can be approved. So when the study is approved, then SAPRA will continue to monitor the study or any adverse events from the time that is approved to the time that the study is finished or the study is closed. So all the adverse effects that are experienced within the trial will have to be reported to SAPRA, not just uh, adverse events that happen in South Africa. So those will be adverse events that happen all over the world. Remember when you're conducting a trial, it's better to ensure heterogeneity of your, the response to your drug. You need to enroll people from different environments. So you find that South Africa is one of the main trials that are, um, this trial is enrolling many, many participants around the world. So all the adverse events that are reported all over the world will also be presented to SAPRA to respond to any reflex that are happening in the trial they can do so. And also important, we have to verify that each child uh, each study that is being conducted in South Africa is a data and safety monitoring committee. So it means uh, within the trial, we must elect um, people that are going to monitor the data and the safety. So you have to have a committee also. You have to explain to SAPRA who are the people that, are, that will be monitoring the, the results and the safety of the participants of the trial. So these will be like your academics all over we need to have their CVs and know which research they've been involved in for them to to, to monitor the study. So yeah, the, the, the list is quite elaborate. So SAPRA will monitor um, the conduct of the trial from the point you apply to the point that the study has been concluded and all the results that you get from the, the, the study will also be reported to SAPRA. Elaborate indeed. I'd like to latch on to what you were just saying a bit earlier about the methods that, uh, or the steps rather, that you take to reimburse uh, participants in any form of trials for vaccine. I'm curious to find out how that applies uh, to children in this instance, in specific reference to the children aged between six months and 17 years that will be participating in these Sinovac vaccine trials. Could you please talk me through, um, as, as briskly as you can, 
the processes that Sapra went through to ensure that this vaccine is safe for this particular age group to participate in these trials. And since the research regarding the COVID-19 pandemic has already concluded that children do not directly contribute to the spread of the virus, the question then becomes why advocate or approve this trial to take place um, since the aim is to curb um, spread of the virus to begin with? Okay. So for the Sinovac trial, they have already concluded early phase trials in children. Clinical trials have concluded the earlier phase trials, and there's been no significant difference in the incidence of uh, vaccine-related adverse effects in those that received the vaccine compared to those that tested vaccine. So um, the important uh, factor to consider there is that, yes, of course, Initially, in the beginning of the pandemic, the observations were that children were likely not to experience severe disease. So more emphasis was placed on the elder comorbid um, target group who were likely to land in hospital. So as the COVID landscape continues to evolve, this variant emerging, some of the latest data that's coming is showing that a small but increasing proportion of patients being admitted with COVID are children. It means that children should also need, should also be protected from COVID disease. And just to highlight uh, the question that you asked, you must also remember that vaccinated and unvaccinated children are equally infectious when they are harboring the virus. So the difference between vaccinated people and unvaccinated people is that depending on the variant that they're exposed to, the vaccinated are better protected from symptomatic or severe disease. So that is the only difference. So Sinovac has already concluded any phase studies in children and there were no alarms in terms of adverse reactions. And uh, most of the, the, the adverse reactions pertaining to the injection site were reported and fever and phase two was also reported, but that would last for up to two to three days without any special uh, treatment required. So you must also consider that there's always a risk for allergy and issues like that. So the site will manage those issues. Thank you for that insightful answer. So my question then is that since you mentioned earlier on that there is some remuneration uh, around this clinical trials and whatnot, right? So is there a way that SAPRA can protect children from parents who would force them to enlist in such clinical trials for financial gains? So in terms of remuneration, it's not really money that they don't carry you through. It's just money to reinvest you for that time that you spend at the clinical site and you are conducting a research. So you need to be reinvest for food and travel. That is basically it. So whoever that will be entering the past should be knowledgeable should be able to make an informed decision based on the information that the trial site will give to them when they, they want to enroll for the trial. So remuneration is just that for, to cover the inconvenience of traveling and issues like that. Another question would be, what information does SAPRA know about the Sinovac vaccine? Since you mentioned that they submit a protocol about the clinical trial, right? And then does that mean that do they give you some hint or insight on 
what the vaccine could contain because I feel like it's something that also is a driving mechanism, a driving factor in the anti-vaxxer community where they'll be like, no, we don't know what's inside the vaccine. Sinovac uh, has got approval for, for the use in, in, in the older target population, right? So for this trial, they have uh, produced any clinical trial uh, that was successfully conducted in children. So the earliest the earlier trials that were conducted were not to establish efficacy, those were for safety. So SAPRA at least knows now that the early phase trials have been concluded and safety is not an issue. So with regard to what the vaccine contains, that is information that the manufacturer has. They have, of course, highlighted as an inactivated vaccine. So issues of a live vaccine being introduced to the body it's not the case with this one. So in terms, because now they are in a phase, phase three evaluation, it means they are testing for effectiveness. And we have already passed the stage of, uh, of safety. So that has been successfully conducted. So surprise got the confidence that safety is not an issue with the vaccine. So just to latch on to that, um, having already concluded that safety isn't an issue as it pertains to this particular vaccine trial, can you talk me through any other possible risk factors or side effects that you have identified as being part and parcel of participating in this vaccine trial? And is there any insight you can give us as to how soon participants can expect uh, these side effects to kick in once they participate in this clinical trial? Okay, so the initial um, adverse events that one may expect, it will be your allergic reactions that some might have, but you'll be injected at the site and you will be monitored there for any allergic reactions that you have. And then based on the, the early phase trials that they've already submitted, we know that the most reported side effects were pain at the site of the injection that was accompanied with swelling and redness around where you were injected. And then they also reported fatigue and fever that normally will disappear within two to three days. So without any special treatment needed. So those were the the the, the preliminary adverse events that were were reported in the early phase trial. It seems like Pfizer is also looking into having clinical trials on children. Have they contacted SAPRA or not? And why is the age group different compared to the one Sinovac is using? What's the main difference there and what is the main reason behind it? Okay, so the choice of target group solely depends on the sponsor of the trial. SAPRA does not dictate the the choice of target group, so is basically what the sponsor would decide or the investigators would decide to focus their research on. So um, surprise granted a conditional approval via the Section 21 mechanism, which fast-tracked emergency use access, and there are conditions to the approval. So this was done. Remember, Pfizer also had a Section 21 approval for 16 years and above, which is currently ongoing. So this was done to add the new target group based on review of updated safety and efficacy data in this target group. So we know that Pfizer is also conducting studies in the younger population, I think from the age of five in other globally, in other countries, just not in South Africa. So we decided to include this information based on the safety and efficacy data that we got 
from the clinical trials that were conducted globally. Ms. Rapetwa, can you please talk us through how long the clinical trial will be effective for, as well as how many children were targeted to take part of this trial, and when will we know if this vaccine will come into effect or not? Okay, so the participation to this trial will be for 14 months. Worldwide, uh, this study is going to involve 14,000 participants, and South Africa will contribute about 2,000 participants. At the end of the approval of the protocol, they had mentioned that they will be having seven sites across South Africa. And uh, depending on the length of the trial and the, the interim results, then um, the sponsor will decide on the way forward on the trial if they will apply for approval or not. Thank you, Ms. Rapetswa. And Another question is, you mentioned the results from the clinical trials, right? So now mm. the question is, will you take this result and like as a one-size-fits-all or do you also look into other factors that may affect the results? I think you also mentioned earlier on that yeah, there's an inclusion criteria and an exclusion criteria. And mm-hmm. to to help answer this question, would you say that the people or the factors that can affect this uh, result are part of your exclusion criteria or not? Now, remember, when you conduct a clinical trial, especially when you do it, it's a multi-center trial, meaning a lot of countries are involved. South Africa is one of those countries. You have to, within your clinical trial protocol, you must assess when you will have interim results, and then you analyze this result, which will show you how your trial is proceeding. Is there benefit? and can continue with the trial. And those results will also be communicated to SAPRA to make an informed decision on the progress of the report in terms of the monitoring that they do. And how will the participants of this vaccine trial be informed of the trial results? And um, in the event that uh, results are deemed inconclusive, what would be the following step from that point onwards? Will the participants be re-enrolled in another trial automatically? Or do they still retain the choice to participate or to not participate in the follow-up trial? Yes, all participants should be informed informed of the clinical trial results. When the study concludes, each each participant has got a right to know what the findings of the study is. And then uh, based on the interim results, if the study is futile, then the investigator and the data monitoring committee will have to decide if you continue with the trial. We are not reaching where we wanted to reach. And then the, the participants will be informed. So that is the way they, they, they conduct. Okay, thank you, Ms. Marupeng Rapetswa. And that was Ms. Marupeng Rapetswa, who is the Medical Research Officer of SAPRA. And what we've covered, according to my understanding, is that it's a lot of process getting a trial approved by SAPRA. There's a lot of things that you also need to take into consideration by looking at the eggs and laws and all those red tapes that one has to navigate through. And it's not just a process of a person waking up and just saying, no, I want to conduct clinical trials today. You need to go through all those processes that you need to fine-tune so that people can accept it and 
people will be more willing to participate in the trial. Indeed. And at this time, we must uh, take this opportunity to thank our guest one more time, Ms. Rapetswa, the Medical Review Officer for the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority. Ms. Rapetswa, thank you so much for your time and the valuable insight that you have given us into the processes around this Sinovac vaccine trial. And thank you so much for joining us on the COVID report. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams via www.varfm.co.za.